It's the California Wine Country Podcast with Steve Jackson and Dan Berger. We taste, we laugh, we learn. California Wine Country brought to you, of course, by Bottle Barn, Rodney Strong Vineyards, and Davis Bynum Wines. Dan Berger uh, back with us, and our guest today is Pete Sorgel. He is the winemaker at Linmar Estate Wines. Haven't seen you in a long time, man. Welcome back. Thank you. Nice to be here. The last time you were with us was in the old studio. So, welcome back. Thank you. My headphones are acting weird, but that's okay. I'm acting weird at all times, so <laughs> I don't care if my headphones are, too. Uh, Dan Berger, uh, he always brings in a, a bottle of wine from his gigantic wine cellar. Explain this one, because I, I like it. I, br- I always try to bring something a little bit different each week, and uh, you... Most recently, it's been old Sauvignon Blancs because we find that they really do age beautifully. But this one is a 2019 white Pinot Noir from Agnello in the Patagonia region of Argentina. It's now, very interesting I, you wine. Know, I, you mentioned uh, this wine, and I thought, well, I'm probably not going to like this, uh, as I often don't like some That's of the true. wines you bring I, in from bring your in cellar. But challenging stuff. I like this. It's a little too sweet for me, but well, I, I mean, can get over it. I it's completely dry, but I mean, it, it is a little bit soft. But after all, it is. Look, it's this is 2014, uh, 20, uh, 20. This is 2023, and this is 2019 wine. So we're talking. Four and a half years later, this one is a four and a half year old white wine from the Southern Hemisphere. So the reason that it's softer is that it's really it was made to be consumed younger. I had an extra bottle, 2019, decided to serve it today. And the guy who imports this, I mean, we both love it. He loves it. I love it. It's hard to sell. People don't want white Pinot Noir. They never heard of it. But this yeah, wine is well, pure white. Talk about white Pinot. I mean, because that is fascinating, and I don't know that. Uh, I've tasted it. You just basically, you don't do any crushing. All you do is you harvest and you press. You bring the fruit in, you press it right away. You get the skins out of the way of the of the juice. So the, the, the red skins don't impart any color at all. This stuff is absolutely pure white. There's no tinge of color here whatsoever. And that, basically, that's all you do. Then you ferment and you get some little bit of alcohol in it, and it's, you know, it's bone dry. And Pete, what do you think about it? I like this. I have not had many wines from the Patagonia region. and uh, Most of us haven't. Yeah. and It <laughs> <laughs> has nice freshness, uh, kind of a richer mouthfeel, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I like it a lot. I, I'm a big fan of this kind of wine, and, and, and the reason part of it is, <laughs> I hate to say, it's reasonably priced. It's like $15 for a bottle of wine. It's called Aniello, A-N-I-E-L-L-O. It's a white Pinot Noir from... Argentina. Yeah, our guest today, uh, Pete Sorgel from uh, Linmar Estate Wines. He is the winemaker. Uh, I, the website is linmarestate.com. And the first thing you'll see when you go on their website is uh, in big letters, where bliss begins. I like that. <laughs> it's a great spot. You know, I've, I've called this show for 15 years, NPR on acid. I should have probably gone with Where Bliss Begins on the radio. <laughs> but it's too late now. Uh, Pete, first get into the history of Linmar. It's L-Y-N-M-A-R, linmarestate.com. What's the history here? Yeah, so we are a family-owned winery uh, located in Sebastopol. Uh, Lynn Fritz and his wife, Anisha, uh, are the proprietors of Lynn Mar. And Lynn initially bought uh, 
a small piece of what now is a 100-acre property uh, in Sebastopol in 1980. Okay. And over the last 43 years, bought six adjoining parcels to give us the property that we are uh, on now. And the property is where the winery is. It's one of our main estate vineyards. It's where our tasting room and hospitality center is. And it's also Lennon and Anisha's home. And it's a, it's a really special place here in Sonoma County for uh, for for grape growing and uh, Russian River Valley. Russian River yeah they uh, have created Dan, go ahead. yeah they have created one of the most beautiful properties in Sonoma County part of it is the fact that it's such a blessed region for growing anything regardless what you flowers fruit vegetables especially grapes and wine grapes in particular but the most important thing is it's a fairly cool region in fact very cool region and if you don't know what you're doing. Some of those little hillside properties can be a little tricky. So you have to plan way, way in advance to plant the right variety for which swale you're in. And this is a spectacular property. And you can visit and you can actually do special tastings there that are absolutely spectacular. It's a great property. I love, the, I love the, what, what Pete's done with these wines. They're really dramatic wines. And Pete, uh, give us your history, uh, how you got into the wine world and such. Yeah, so I, uh, I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I was born and raised there on an apple farm. And uh, after finishing high school, went to college in Virginia. And after college, wanted to try making wine. So I packed up the car, moved to California, didn't know anyone, and did my first internship in 2006 at Landmark Vineyards in Sonoma Valley. Landmark is a wonderful property as well, and they, they've re- recently renovated some of their property, so that's another property to visit as well. Um, how did you move from Landmark to a, such a cool region? That's a pretty risky and tricky kind of business. Yeah, uh, so I uh, initially, after Landmark, got a job at Costa Brown in Sebastopol, so that started getting me out into, into West County and uh, worked there for a yeah, while. Yeah, got to love Costa Brown, man. Yeah, I'm working for Michael and Dan yeah. uh, back in you know early, early days, 2007, and uh, that then led me to Linmar in 2012. So I've been at Linmar for 11 years now, and I've really found my place. And uh, did you go to UC Davis at Fresno, or did you do any of that? I went to Virginia Tech. I have a horticulture okay. degree from Virginia Tech, and really through uh, you know growing up on a farm and uh, my degree. Um, had had a background, but really being out here, boots on the ground, is what gave me my education. Uh, Dan, talk about uh, Linmar Estate Wines and uh, I first your got to history notice, with them. I, yeah, I got to know this property about 25 years ago, uh, before it was even on the map. Uh, the, the former winemaker, uh, Hugh, uh, and we've had him on the show too, that he was making some pretty interesting wines out there. The, the most interesting thing was the fact that it was such a cool region and it was so risky to, to plant out there because in those days, it was really really not very well known how you grow grapes in such a cool area. And this is a really one. This is not far from Grayton. It's out in the southern part of Russian River Valley. Yeah, yeah. Really cold. The winds were coming in there. Uh, the soils were really good, but, but the temperature sometimes was a little challenging. So in that area, what are the best grapes to grow and wines to make well i think i think chardonnay and pinot noir are your number one and number two i do think that there's a there's huge potential for uh for syrah 
But the problem that Sarah had in the early days was it was still we hadn't yet seen. This is 1986, 87, 88. We hadn't seen enough warming out there for Syrah to make a classic mm-hmm. wine. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people started moving away from Syrah. I think it's now time to put it back in the soil and see. And I think there's an opportunity also for Riesling and other cool climate varieties out there. I think this is a really fabulous region. And as global climate change begins to change things happening for us here in this part of the Russian River where we are, I think that eventually that part of the Russian River is going to call for uh, replants on some of the varieties that really don't do well when when the temperature warms up. Pete, your thoughts uh, on what Dan just said? Uh, do you agree, or would you like to debunk? Uh, no, I, you know, <laughs> I think with uh, with the different climate that we are encountering over the last few years, uh, depending on your area within the Russian River, you might have to adapt and look to yeah. uh, other uh, varieties that that are have not been planted. You know, fortunately. Uh, where we are at Linmar, Quail Hill Vineyard, uh, where the home estate is, is one of four properties that we have uh, within the Russian River. We farm and own about 85 acres of vines, uh, stretching from Forestville to our newest planting down off of Hessel Road, South Sebastopol, where kind of Petaluma Gap meets the Russian River. Yeah, yeah, okay. And so we're excited. That's just coming into production now, so we're very excited for the potential of a cooler climate uh, Pinot Noir in our portfolio. I'm, I'm glad you said Pinot Noir because that is a absolutely perfect region for Pinot Noir. I mean, it's spectacular to see how how fine those wines can be, and especially when you smell them the first time you smell them, you say, what, "What's this? This is different, but it's better." In a certain way, it's really unique. In, in fact, there is a Burgundian component coming out of those regions, and it's really tricky not. I mean, if you put the wrong grapes in there. You're going to make a nice wine, but it'll never be a great wine. And so that's why it takes a long, long time for these wines to come around. You've got to plant. You could, first of all, you, your planning has got to be precise. And then you've got to plant the right stuff. And then you've got to wait years before you ever get a full crop that's any good. Pete? Yeah, it, you know, I'm really looking forward to that kind of cooler climate uh, take on Pinot Noir. And that's what... I love about being at Linmar is having uh, a vineyard in Forestville, which is our warmest site, to now the coolest one. So we can really capture Pinot Noir in uh, different temperature areas where uh, our vineyard in Forestville, uh, compared to our southern vineyard, there can be a 15, 20 degree difference which in, is in the huge. day. Yeah, huge. And, and the other thing that's really interesting, and I think it's a trend that's happening right now, it's happening right now, actually for the last six or eight years, we're starting to see more wineries putting vineyard names on their labels for Pinot Noir because the vineyard makes a difference. And when you see a, a, a regular what says Pinot Noir, then Russian River Valley, hey, that's great. That's going to be fine. But the better examples are going to be Russian River Vineyards, or Russian River Valley, and the vineyard designate too. Well, this one here that we that uh, uh, Pete brought was called is called Coil Hill Vineyard. Well, that tells you something specific about this property. And what did you bring? You brought a Pinot and a Shard? Yeah, I have a Pinot and a Shard. Right. Uh, both, shard. Both from You Quail said the Hill. magic word on this show. <laughs> uh, our guest today on California Wine Country is uh, Pete Sorgel. He is the winemaker at Linmar Estate Wines. LinmarEstate.com. Just smell this one, Pete, uh, Steve. Try mm. this. Just, this will blow you away. This is fabulous wine. Love the nose. Yeah. 
And the most impressive thing about this is I've tasted these wines when they get a little mm. time in bottle. Whoa, they go, go they, they get oh, so that, much. Uh, this is amazing. This is amazing. I mean, uh, wow. Thank you. Yeah, this is a blend of uh, two clones of Chardonnay, Wente and Ruid. And the, the Ruid vines were actually planted in the mid-70s. And so um, it's fun being able to work with vines that were really some of the first planted uh, in, in kind of the getting west of uh, Sonoma County. There's a lot going on in this Chardonnay that after just exactly, one task. absolutely what you said, precisely. This is a wine... But you taste it by itself, you say, well, I could drink the whole bottle all by itself. But then start to imagine what it would be like with some really decent food as well. This, this is, can you imagine this with, say, lobster? I hate to say. All right. We don't, we don't eat lobster every day. But can you imagine how good this is with lobster and butter? Clams. Clams. Steamed what, clams, what, baby. What, what, any, how about anything? How about a seafood with some kind of a cream sauce? We, even with cream sauce, it's going to yes, work. This would cut without through. cream sauce, anything. This wow. Is, what year is this, Pete? This is 2019. Wow. So how long would you uh, set this down, Dan, lay it down, burger? Well, I think ultimately most people will want to drink this younger, and I would too. But I would also make a, a point. This aroma indicates Burgundian character. This is sort of like... Uh, I hate to say Batard Montrachet from Burgundy. So if you were to age it, put it in a very cool cellar, wait five years, and it will blow you away about how close this is to a really great Burgundy. And wow. it will cost you a lot, lot less than Burgundy. Pete, uh, the wines uh, from uh, Linmar Estate, I'm sure available, uh, many of them, at Bottle Barn. Uh, you know, we uh, are primarily through our through wine the, club. Yeah, I, I get that. Um, and then and we, we partner many, with select area uh, places in the area to, uh, to okay. sell our wines. Well, tell people, besides going to uh, com, some of the best places to, to get your wine. Uh, you know, so with the wines that we make, we make about uh, 12,000 cases a year. And uh, 95% of that is all to the wine club. And so we break up our properties into blocks, into vineyard designates, and uh, really try to showcase the nuances within the properties that we have. And so if you're not at the winery, um, you can try and find it at some uh, local restaurants and um, different areas like that. And I know Bottle Barn has had these wines in the past. Mm -hmm. People who want to uh, visit you folks... Go into details on that. I mean, yeah, so we are open. Our hospitality um, tasting room is open from Thursday to Monday. Uh, we do appointment only at 11 and 2 p.m. They are all seated tastings with your own dedicated tasting host uh, who will talk to you about the property, uh, our sustainability with the, the vineyards and the winery, and uh, really kind of showcase the, the estate and the different wines that we uh, would currently pour. All right. I love what these wines do with time and bottle in particular, but when you taste them side by side with some light foods over at the winery, it's a special experience. And uh, we had a, I was lucky enough to be involved in one of those about, what, three months ago? Mm -hmm. Fabulous, fabulous opportunity to see the wines up close and then to say both young and a little bit with a little bit of age. And then with some food, and boy, they really take on a different pers personality with a little bit of food. You can do this at home easily enough. You go out to the winery, buy a bottle or two, 
put it in your cellar just for a couple of weeks to let it settle from the... You don't want to put it in your trunk of your car. Just take it home and be gentle with it. Then make a simple dish, any kind of food at all, tuna, tuna casserole, whatever, something. These wines just explode. They're, the, the, the fruit that's out there is very, very special. It's, just, it's hard to even discuss this until you see the property. This is one of the most, I will say, unique Chardonnays I've tasted in a while. And as I said, there's just a lot going on. And well, I adore this. The finish keeps kind of changing, which makes me hungry and uh, thinking about food, as you were just talking well, about. Well, exactly. I mean, you could drink this on its own, but, but you're not going to fully I am drinking it on well, its own. So are we. Because we, nobody we has food around here, this right? building. So I don't Go downstairs and get some... Yeah, so, down to the smoked salmon. Or <laughs> yes, something. exactly. But I, I think most people will appreciate it better when there is something on the table, uh, whether it's even simple cheeses, or re- mm-hmm. you know, not simple, but I mean decent cheeses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at some point, you're starting to see that how the flavors of the wine match how the cheeses work as a complement and as a contrast, both at the same time. So it's a, you do one bite, second bite, they're different. It's it's an amazing, and the reason for it, I think, is the fact that these this fruit is so incredibly good. I mean, tell tell us a little bit about this Chardonnay. What, what kind of Chardonnay? What are, what are you growing out there in terms of the Chardonnay? Yeah, so we, uh, you know, only make Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. Uh, we have our own vineyard team, and that I find is is very beneficial to making high quality great wines. And so we have a team of fifteen year round uh, employees that work in the vineyard, and and these. Some of these people have been there longer than I have, so they have a real kind of uh, well-known knowledge of the the vineyards, the blocks, and really can farm these the different vines based on the needs of the vine. And as discussed, this is uh, the the portion of this of Ruid clone, so it's probably about it's about fifty fifty Ruid and Wente. The Wente was planted in the mid two thousands, and the Ruid from the mid seventies. And and having the our own vineyard team be able to farm this and know the nuances within the vineyard, uh, I think really helps bring out the characteristics that we're able to express in the glass. You know, they, there's an old saying in the wine business that says that the best fertilizer in a vineyard are the footprints of the grower. That, that, I like that phrase. And the secret here at Linmar, and, 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 and some, many other properties as well, where you have the regular crew that lives there, works there all the time, is that they know these vines one up one side and down the other. They, they get to know the, the look of the grape, the look of the vine, the look of the leaves, the moisture in the soil. They get to know this up, right up. It's like part of their DNA. And that's when you know that the winemaker has better control over what's out, th- out there in the vineyard. And that's how you can make a wine like this. Yeah, it, it, I think, you know, having that team gives me great flexibility in the farming practices that we're doing, uh, the attention to detail, even picking. You know, we can call it on the fly and say, hey, I want to pick this tomorrow instead of this that we had planned. And everybody kind of is in line on board and, and, and we're all there to make the best wines possible and really do by the site. So really express where we are, what we're doing and, and how we do it. I really believe this is another topic altogether, which we don't want to explore too deeply because it's very esoteric, too much geekiness, but I think it's important for Russian river Valley to at some point define itself in a slightly different way. Russian River Valley is really, what, four or five completely separate regions from each other. 
right? I mean, it's, a, it's not a huge appellation in and of itself, and it is unique. But within that uniqueness are subtle differences that are slightly smaller districts. Southern, or the southern tip of Russian River Valley is really different from Middle Reach, and which is different from the Chalk Hill area, which is different from other. There are so many d- different sub-districts. Uh, sub and I think it's important for Russian River to finally identify some of those and try to come up with, a, whether, it's, whether it's government approved or not, I think they should identify sub-districts that make sense to the consumer. Yeah, the, uh, the neighborhoods uh, that, that you're kind of speaking of, I do find a lot of differences in the wines there, from the Sebastopol Hills to the Laguna Ridge, and uh, Linmar is located in the Laguna Ridge neighborhood up to Middle Reach, the Santa Rosa Plain. Uh, they all have a common thread, but they all have very different, unique characteristics that, that really showcase the terroir of the Russian River. I think that's pretty evident in uh, Pinot Noir especially. That's one of the reasons I'm a big fan of vineyard designation on Pinot Noir. I think that's where the consumer is best served. If you're going to charge a a decent amount of money for the bottle of wine, there should be uniqueness. What we don't want is sameness or uniformity. That's one of the most horrible examples of how wine is being marketed today. I don't want to name names, but you you know where I'm thinking. The red yeah. wine's coming from east, east of us somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, at Linmar, we make 25 different Pinot Noirs and Chardonnay, and so it's really my job to try and showcase the, uh, the differences through uh, fermentation techniques, barrel regimes, so that each wine really expresses where it's grown, the clonal selection, the block designate, uh, to then really kind of capture those uh, terroir nuances of where we are. And I think it's important also for the consumer who wants to buy not only this wine, but the wines of, of succeeding vintages. So you buy this year, you buy last year, maybe the year before that. So now you suddenly you've got three separate vintages in a row, and you can actually serve two, two of them at a the time, at, at the same time, and see how they compare with one another. This is really one of the most interesting aspects of, of wine, is that we notice that there are differences between vintages, and if we can identify those from soil to soil and vintage to vintage, we can notice why these wines are vintage dated, why they're being sold separately, and why they are unique to each other. Mm-hmm. It is California Wine Country, brought to you by Bottle Barn, Rodney Strong Vineyards, and Davis Bynum Wines. Our guest today with uh, Dan Berger is Pete Sorgel. He is winemaker at Linmar Estate Wines. It's linmarestate.com. You really need to check them out, folks, and uh, become a member of their wine club. Uh, is that what you guys call Yep, correct. Okay. Uh, Advocates Club. Advocates Club. We've tasted that Chardonnay, which I, I'm just blown away by. Now we're moving to a Pinot, and you guys are making Shards and Pinots. That's pretty correct. much it, right? Yep. Exactly. Just All right. Talk day. about this Pinot. What year and uh, how you made it? Yeah. So this is a 2019 uh, Pinot Noir from our Quail Hill Vineyard, where the winery tasting room uh, is located. It's a 44-acre property. Oh, about man. 30 acres is under vine for Pinot. Oh, Dan. This is freaking amazing. <laughs> you said it, not me, and I was going to say the same thing. All right. <laughs> Go ahead, Pete. Yeah, so it, it is a blend of a handful of different clones and selections of Pinot Noir. And so each one of these clones and mm. selections provides its own kind of 
personality to the final blend. And so uh, I really enjoy working with this vineyard and this wine because you get to use different clones and selections to show the strengths of each one and then blend them together. And at Linmar, we like to say, you know, our, that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And Amen. This is very true for this I get wine. it. And, and Dan, as I've said to you for 12 years or more, tell me why I like this wine so well, much. Well, first of all, number one is... For me, at least, and I'm sure for you, too, it smells exactly like Russian River Valley Pinot Noir. Yeah. It smells like what it's supposed to be. No, and the nose is... It, it's astounding. It, it, it blew me away. Yeah. And, and it, I said, and, i got to try this, and, and I have. it's not based on oak. There is some oak here, but that's not what you... What you're smelling and tasting there is mm. fruit. This is all fruit. This is this is the kind of fruit that you want. It's, it's under the radar as Pinot Noir. This is this defines Pinot Noir. So when you smell it, you say, "Oh, well, that's Pinot Noir." Well, surprise! I mean, there are sen- several Pinot Noirs in this world that are impressive, but not necessarily Pinot Noir like this one is exactly that. It's got a little bit of that herbal component. It's got that bright r- red fruit. It's got that uh, very almost a I hate to say violet component component to it. It's got all these little pieces that are nuanced full. Like like a burgundy, but this wine's so young, it's not burgundy yet. It will be. It'll turn in two two or three more years in the bottle. This will turn into burgundy. But the best part about this is the structure. And the first thing I uh, noticed as soon as I tasted this wine, I said to myself, "Where is the rare roast beef? Rare prime rib." Mike, but, can you go down to the cellar and get the uh, rare roast beef and bring it up? <laughs> well, <Ready>? you. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm seriously, when, if you were to serve this with ah. a steak, the steak would be over here and the wine would be over there. They'd be separate things and always be separate from each other. But if you serve this with rare roast beef, it's one thing. I believe it. Uh, Pete Sorgel, uh, winemaker at Linmar Estate Wines. Tell us about making this incredible Pinot. Yeah, so uh, this is a blend of a handful of different clones and selections that is, um, we use this wine probably has about 5 to 10% whole cluster in the fermentation, and it is barrel-aged. Explain that a little more. Uh, so with whole cluster, uh, in, the, in the processing of the Pinot Noir, we are leaving the grapes on the stems. And so uh, with whole cluster, we leave about, by volume, about 5 to 10% on the stems, which help adds nuance, texture, uh, aromatic uh, differences to the final wine. And it's part of uh, the blending process uh, from all the different components. We then blend together to create uh, create the wine that you have. And that process is very interesting because it requires the consumer to do something. Now, what would you do? Well, if you bought a bottle of this 2019 Coil Hill Pinot Noir and you wanted to drink it soon, which is perfectly fine, it's going to be great, drink it now or drink it later. But if you did want to do that, the best thing to do would be to pour it into a decanter. For a couple hours. For at least two hours because yeah. this wine is just so tight, up, tight and closed up. And the reason is that what, by processing with the stems, you're giving the wine lots of interesting flavors that you really can't see in the aroma right now. At the beginning, taste. right now. Right now. It's but just, even a couple hours in the decanter will open things up. Absolutely. And it's, it's this is a brilliant wine. It's just a... I agree. And serve it cool. Do not serve it warm. Room temperature, it's wrong for this wine. This is basically a light, light red wine. This is not a heavy concentrate. This is not Cabernet. Let's be realistic. Of course. 
Pete, damn good job, dude. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, this really is amazing. So is the Chardonnay. Wow. Well, I think most people who have never tasted Linmar wines, this 2019 vintage is a sleeper. I mean, I don't know how your 20s are going to come out, but that'll be, they'll be fine. But this 2019, when these are sold out, people who miss this vintage are going to be uh, unfortunately disappointed that they didn't get that it. That they missed this it. Is a great yeah. I mean, to talk about the 2019 vintage as a whole. Yeah, so the 2019 vintage was a great growing year. Uh, I find these wines to have power and finesse. And uh, I liken 19 kind of in between 17 and 18. 18 was really elegant. 17 had a little more power. So I like 19. uh, 19. It wasn't huge on quantity, right? But huge on quality. Correct. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It was uh, not a Look, Dan, not a I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Thanks to you. That's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. And so, you know, this wine is, is one of my favorites to make at Linmar just because of all the different, uh, different characters that uh, get mm. blended together to give you the, uh, the wine. That's lovely, man. Well, I think, uh, as I said, with uh, this uh, particular estate, You've got a little bit more flexibility as long as you know that you have to harvest relatively early. You cannot wait on these. If you left these wines, uh, th- these grapes on the vine, an extra five to six days, you wouldn't be, be able to make a wine like this. No. The, the, the answer is the structure. Yeah, and, and that's what's great about having our own farming team is we're able to pick yeah. the grapes exactly when they're ripe right. uh, and exactly when we want them to come off the vine. How's harvest going at Linmar and where are you guys at this point? Yeah, so we just started bringing in our first grapes yesterday. Wow. And, uh, okay. It's definitely a later year due to the cooler growing season. Right. And, uh, right. I, st- I did my first harvest in 2006 and from what I recall, this is the latest I've ever started was this really? year. Okay. Yeah, so it, uh, but quality seems super high, and we're, we're just getting going now. I'm a huge fan of uh, cooler years. Uh, most of the time when you have a cooler year, uh, the growers tend to uh, wrinkle their brows, and they're really concerned, and so forth. But California is really special in cool years. The, the trickiest thing is to have a hot year where you don't know what you're looking at, like for example, 2010, 2011, both relatively cool years, but 10 was different because there were two heat waves, and then you had a problem of not knowing whether you should pick after the first one or wait till the, and we didn't know the second one was coming, and so, but now you've got 2023 is going to be marked down as a vintage similar to 11 in a certain way, cool enough, but how, where we are right now, we don't know what happens tomorrow. And there's another major storm heading our way, I believe Monday. How does that, at this point in the harvest and the year, how does that affect uh, the grapes? Uh, You know, so for us, we are picking things when they're ready. And uh, with the rain or not, it, you know, things need to be ready for us to bring them in uh, to make the best wines possible. Uh, The Press Democrat is reporting through uh, National Weather Service, and I'll quote, an atmospheric river-like storm is going to bring the first rain in months to Sonoma County. Uh, and again, you're not too concerned about that I, at this point. No, you know, that's, that's one thing I've learned is that, uh, you know, I can only control what I can control. And so if the grapes aren't ready to be picked, then they are, they're going to have to go, go through and, and, and get picked when they're ready. 
Growers have an opportunity to make decisions at this stage that all those decisions are based on what previously happened about three months ago or two months ago or a month ago. So they all know what the vineyards look like now and they know where the grapes are. They can make those decisions on the fly if they, as long as they've got a picking crew. So right now, we're, it, it's a holding pattern. We don't know what this storm looks like. Right. And a week from now, six days from now, five days from now, we'll know better. And then we have to make a decision, and those decisions have to be made instantly. You can't wait on the decision-making. You, you make your decision. Look, 1984, a good example. 1981, a good example. I mean, all these vintages are all based on what previously happened in a vineyard. The whole year up till now. So we don't know what the storm looks like. All we know is what's potential. Uh, North Bay residents will experience their first taste of fall storms beginning Sunday night. A strong atmospheric river-like storm will bring uh, the first bit of rain since early summer. Well, I'll make a prediction. Okay. I will make a prediction. I think that in 2023, this could be one of the great... Vintages in history of California for Cabernet Sauvignon in the Napa Valley. Really? Because they're gonna. A lot of people are gonna be forced to pick before that wa- that water comes in, and that means that they're gonna pick when there's loads of acidity left on the vine, and that's good for good Cabernet. Now, they will. The winemakers may be fearful because they want scores. This is not gonna be a good vintage for scores. It's gonna be vintage for great wine. Now, when you say scores, explain that. 100 points. You know, everybody wants to, oh, I got right, 100 right, points right, on my right. wine. Well, yeah, okay, so what? Okay, okay. Taste the wine. <laughs> uh, the areas of our county farther north are expected to receive as much of an inch of rainfall. Cloverdale, Healdsburg, and uh, Santa Rosa, Petaluma may expect up to a quarter inch to a half inch of rain. And again, this is expected to begin on Sunday. But again... Pete's not uh, freaking out. The grapes aren't ready. The grapes aren't ready. <laughs> and the other part of the two, very importantly, a quarter inch of rain at this time of year when all the maturity has already been built into the vineyard. It's not that big of a deal. It's no big deal. Yeah. So what? Let, let, as long as the next few days after the storm goes through are relatively dry and not humid. Humidity is your danger point. If you've got humid problems, then you've got problems. But if you don't have any humidity and you've got Cabernet on the vine, for example, as an example of that, loose clustered variety, it'll dry out. It'll be fine. Excuse me. I'm. You're just drinking. I'm just... <laughs> this, this Pinot is amazing. Yeah, yeah you're all, your glass is empty. How'd that happen, Steve? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't happen that often, but it happened today. Uh, Linmar Estate Wines. LinmarEstate.com. Uh, Pete Sorgel is the winemaker at Linmar Estates. And again, it's L-Y-N-M-A-R. You should go and join the, the wine club. And, uh, and maybe, do a, maybe do a sit-down luncheon over there. Are you still doing the luncheons over yeah, there? Yeah, we have uh, two full-time chefs who uh, make their menu off of produce that we grow on site. And so he does a great pairing. I've learned a lot from him for food and wine pairing. Some, some of the best food you'll ever eat in your life. Fabulous. Really? A little, a little opportunity for a vineyard luncheon. Yep. He is Pete Sorgel, a winemaker at Linmar Estate Wines. LinmarEstate.com. 
Always a pleasure. Pete, good to see you again. Thanks, Thanks for coming in, man. Well. Appreciate right. it. And Dan, what do we got next week? Justin Seidenfeld, the winemaker uh, for uh, Rodney Strong. Yeah, he's great. Great, great guy and making some fabulous wines right now. Dan, thank you guys so much for coming in. Thank you.